Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with James Culver, a percussionist whose band James Culver and the Kuchina Jazz Collective will be headlining the Bill Bell Jazz and Heritage Festival this weekend. Welcome, James. Thank you, Carolyn. Now, the purpose of this weekend's event, as it is every year, is to celebrate the indigenous music and culture of the Quad Cities. And on Sunday, your group will be performing in the Latin jazz tradition. What distinguishes Latin jazz from other jazz forms? It's a great question, Carolyn. Quite often when we make the distinction, and it's it's difficult because Latin jazz was always there from the beginning, we basically focus on the rhythm rhythms of Latin jazz. And the rhythms of Latin jazz are more closely aligned to Afro-Cuban rhythms and, and Afro-Puerto Rican rhythms as their basis. So even though uh, Latin jazz has been around from the beginning of jazz itself, the rhythms that we use are more from uh, various African traditions from across the continent. Hmm. And being a percussionist, that's obviously quite important to you, the, the rhythm aspect of it. Are the instruments any different? Quite often not. Uh, we do add more percussion instruments naturally when we uh, play Latin jazz, particularly congas, uh, tend to be the, the primary first edition, but we also have uh, timbal and bongo as other instruments that you would, would have in a traditional Latin jazz um, outfit. Hmm. Well, that kind of explains it. You'll, you'll be performing twice, both on Saturday with the Brothers Lopez and then on Sunday with your band. And I noticed on Saturday you'll be playing percussion, but so will Pancho Lopez. So yes. you'll be playing completely different types of percussive instruments? Probably not. I, I think that for the most part, I will be uh, still playing congos, but in a very different style because the different music that we'll, we'll, we'll be doing will demand a different approach to the instrument. I probably will not have as many congas as I typically play in jazz because it's nice to have the tonal variation. So typically for a jazz um, event, I would play four congas. And for something that's more R&B, or uh, we'll be playing some uh, Santana tunes, we'll be playing some more traditional Mexican styles of music, I'll probably only have two congas for that. <laughs> Well, the festival takes place over two days this year, and it, it does have a little different format from past years. This has been held annually since 2014, although it was not held last year, of course, because of the pandemic. And I want to really mention this is free. This is a free event open to all on Saturday, August 21st uh, at Hereford Park in the historic East Moline neighborhood of, of Watertown. From 3 to 10 p.m., there are Three different groups playing the Pippi and Daniel Experience and the Polyrhythms Trio, followed by the Brothers Lopez. And there's quite a few of the Lopez family playing in that. And then uh, on Sunday, August 22nd, at the Skylark Studio, which is which is in Rock Island on 7th Avenue, 
you'll be playing um, with the, your group, the Kachina Jazz Collective, and preceded also by the Polyrhythms Trio. And there's also at 9 p.m., this sounds fun, a post-festival jam session at The Spot, and that's in downtown Rock Island on 2nd Avenue. All information about the festival can be obtained uh, at the Polyrhythms Bill Bell Jazz and Heritage Festival Facebook page. But, you know, I love the fact that it's physically being held in two locations. The the Watertown area, again, within East Moline and then in Rock Island, they're both historically important uh, to us in terms of local jazz music. And I'm wondering, do you feel, James, that you're paying homage in a way to your predecessors at this event? Is Is that a sentiment or sense that you get when you're performing? It's always a part of, of what we do because there's <laughs> there's nothing more true to say than, than we are uh, standing on the shoulders of, of giants throughout the Quad Cities area. You know, jazz is, is not just Dixieland and, and not just across the river uh, on the Iowa side. There, there was a long tradition of jazz in, in different times, um, having more prominent players and others. Of course, this, this whole... Festival is named after Bill Bell, and Bill Bell is a stalwart uh, in jazz education and jazz performance for, for many, many years. And so they have given us the opportunity to, to think about ourselves as being musicians because we have people who are right from this area who succeeded at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, a very powerful thing to have the reminder that there were others who, who've gone before and earned a great deal of respect in the field of jazz through um, their performances, their teaching, and all coming from the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm guessing that you've really helped mentor younger musicians here within our community as well, because you've performed at every heritage festival since the first one was organized in 2014. And, and I'm curious about the name of your band, the Kuchina jazz collective. What's the story behind that? The word Kuchina actually is kind of like a, a word play in Kishwahili. And it essentially means to be late. And uh, the reason why uh, we, we picked that word for the band is because we're starting pretty late as a band in my life, at least as a band leader. And uh, this had been a dream for quite some time to be able to find the musicians who had the interest and the talent to play in this different direction. Because if we mentioned the, the different rhythms that are part of Latin music, it takes uh, a little bit of effort to switch from a more traditional swing direction of playing music to playing Latin music. Uh-huh. So um, a late start is what gave us the name Cucina. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're going to start performing late. No. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> We're not <laughs> Miles Davis. We'll be on time. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, how old were you since you started late? How old were you approximately when you started your collective? Oh, see now I can. I'm so old that I have to think about it. So we we actually started in 2012 in Germany. So that would put me at 46 mm. at the time. And you said in Germany because we'll we'll talk about this a little bit uh, more. But you are living in Germany now, and you have for many years since approximately 2002. Though again, you, you grew years, up. Yes. 
Yeah, it's a long time. Who else is in your band? In the band, we have um, Daniel Leahy on keyboards, and he's been with us, um, at least in the American version, from the very beginning. And our musical director is Manuel Lopez III, and he's the drummer and vocalist for the group. Very, very lucky to, to have him as a friend and a collaborator in this effort. We have a couple of new additions this time. We have Daniel Olin, who's a bass player who has a, a lot of experience with the Orchestra Altamayi, which many people may remember. And one who I'm really excited to play with is Steve Grismore, because as a dancer uh, in the Quad Cities before moving to Germany, I danced to Steve's work with uh, Orchestra Altamayi for many, many years, and also heard him in, in other um, genres and other outfits, and always was impressed with his guitar work. And so it's it's really uh, quite a thing to have him join us with the band. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege of speaking with Steve actually on this same interview series a month ago, and uh, he is he is amazing. You, you mentioned the Orquesta several times. Tell us about that. The Orquesta Altamayi was um, a very, and shouldn't say is, because it, it is still living on. It it was, at the time that I was here, the premier salsa band in this this part of, of the country, I would say. And they've uh, they had performed many times in Europe. They recorded at the Montrose Jazz Festival. And they were very, very successful at blending dance music and jazz. <laughs> very serious musicians, uh, most of them connected to the University of Northern Iowa in some way. And uh, they really brought a lot of seriousness, a lot of concentration. They traveled to Cuba, at least the percussionists from, from the group did uh, a long time ago to learn more about what they were wanting to do and the approach of, of playing percussion. So it was uh, very, very powerful to have that high quality level of uh, big band music, Latin jazz music right here in the Quad Cities area. Hmm. I didn't know that. You, you said you were a dancer. You, you have a lot of talents, I, I have a feeling, because <laughs> I know you also perform vocals, though we're not planning on doing that this Sunday. Uh, you said Manuel Lopez III is doing that? That's right. He'll be, we'll keep it a secret what song he's going to be doing, but we're uh, very, very happy and lucky to have him as a, a drummer, a singing drummer who can do both very, very well. And uh, it's it's not so easy because, again, we're taking a different rhythmic approach than he may be used to in some of his big band work. But he's able to bring something special uh, vocally as he does behind the drum set. Mm-hmm. Well, growing up in Kiwani, when did you first start playing percussion and what drew you to the drums initially? I started playing um, gospel drum set at 11 here in Kiwani and uh, basically kept playing through my time with the Bradley Gospel Choir when I went to university. So starting with a more gospel direction and learning that gospel and the blues had very, very strong 
relationships. We probably shouldn't say that too loudly, but there is a, a direct connection, musical connection between many of the things that we were playing in the blues. And so that really started my performing direction. And of course, learning more about different rhythms from around the world. I've traveled to a number of African countries and studied uh, percussion with, with different uh, drumming masters in different places. And so it, it's also a way to kind of retrace the rhythmic roots of the music I started playing. And there are different traditions, yes, and yet the centrality of rhythm, of percussion in forms of worship and praise are direct uh, connections to what we see in African traditions as well. Mm-hmm. So you were young, and I, I love that interconnectedness too that you that you became aware of. And you mentioned that you played with the Bradley Gospel Choir or accompanied them um, at Bradley, and that's Bradley University in Peoria. Did did you major in music? I did not. I uh, majored in political science and philosophy, which kind of points to what some may say is a dual life. I do have a lot of interests. I wouldn't say I'm good at all of them, but I have a lot of interests. And so uh, the great thing about being in Germany is that I I have enough time, a lot of time to be able to pursue music seriously. Luckily, I've been able to play with very, very good musicians in the area in which I live. And so it allows me to kind of keep a foot in both worlds. Mm -hmm. Well, what took you to Germany? Well, the story was essentially as someone who worked in diversity and intercultural areas, I wanted to get a chance to see what the expatriate experience would be like. I met my future now ex-wife on a trip to Ghana. She was German. And so we decided to make our first home in Germany. And so I just stayed. You know, it's been such a a great place for me in terms of my personality and the culture there and really the approach that allows me to have a a really well-rounded life where I can pursue the work side of my my life seriously as well as the music side of my life seriously. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to learn German, the German language? Did you know that? still learning. You are. Well... (laughs) <laughs> it's so hard as an adult to learn another language, isn't it? And, and uh, you know, really what what struck me about you talking about your experience moving abroad and getting getting to know that world a little bit is that is that music is, is a, there's a universal language to it. You know, we all we all speak that you could move to Germany and still play with them somewhat effortlessly versus, you know, speaking takes decades to learn as an, as an adult. Well, Um, dancing was probably my first real adult way of communicating when hmm. I was in Germany at first. And so there's a a lot of Latin dancing there. And that was the the thing that I could do and feel like a competent communicating adult before learning to speak the language passively enough to be able to make myself understood. So having that connection to Latin music through dancing and through playing. And of course, there are many, many people from the Latin world in Germany. Uh, My first drumming maestro is from Venezuela. He still lives in in Germany and has been there for, for many, many years. And I've had great opportunities to play with people from across the Latin world in Germany. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's quite a connection. Um, 
You'd, you'd mentioned dance and I was curious, did you learn dancing like salsa dancing when you were here in Illinois or is that something you picked up overseas? I actually learned in Illinois. It's, uh, I lived in Chicago for a bit before moving back to, to the downstate area and uh, picked up salsa there. And mm-hmm. it was such a wonderful opening as a new world, as a new world of, of music, a new world of dance. It was couples dancing. And so the communication between two strangers that gets to the point where they're having a joyous conversation on the dance floor was was something that was fairly new for me. <laughs> so it was it was really wonderful to learn that vocabulary, and that's definitely another language, in, in so to speak, when we're we're dancing in a different tradition. Mm-hmm. You're describing such a rich life with you know with with I'm sure a bus- busy. Uh, career in addition to to music, I read that you obtained your master's in education, I believe, in human resources development from the University of Illinois. And you'd mentioned you'd worked, you were working in diversity. You previously had worked at Arconic, which was Alcoa back then. I'm imagining before you moved away. Um, But you know, but here you are playing at a very high level um, in in jazz. And, you know, I'm guessing that music grounds you. Is that a fair assessment? Do you think it's necessary to have that balance for you in your life? I think for me, it's necessary to have that balance because I have many different ways that I'd like to express myself. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that isn't always the case. There are some people who are lucky enough to find the one way that they want to focus um, on their expression. And that that's fine. That's just not me. So having the opportunity to have a very serious way of self-expression through training, development, consulting, and coaching is great. And to have something completely different, a new way of interacting with others through music has been uh, very, very important for me to have a well-rounded life. Mm-hmm. In any community, there are people who make our lives better, who improve the quality of our day-to-day existence. And so I just really want to give a shout out to, to, um, Shelly Guy, the festival organizer, um, for the Bill Bell Jazz and Heritage Festival, uh, which you're headlining and also Nate Lawrence. They're, they're amazing individuals. And you've, how long have you known them? That's a tough question, Carolyn. I've known them for many years, at least since 1993. Mm-hmm. when I first uh, moved to the, the Quad Cities area. And Nate and Shelley have been supporters for me um, in the creative directions that we've taken from the very, very beginning. They've both seen possibilities from the time that I was doing storytelling, and Shelley serves as a, a mentor for me and someone who would help me in my approach to storytelling. And Nate was always encouraging me to do more. If, if I wanted to express something and try something, then I could be there to, um, to, to try it with him. He would give me a platform. And, and so it was, it was really a wonderful, productive relationship. We've, we've learned a lot along the way, and I certainly applaud them for all that they bring to the Quad Cities from all of their creative pursuits, from Shelley's writing, her poetry, 
And it takes creativity to do what Nate does as well in terms mm-hmm. of pulling all of the support necessary together to yeah. make these things happen. Yeah, they're multifaceted, certainly individuals, just as you, it sounds like you are as well. Before you return to Germany, which I know will be coming up, it sounds like early next month, are there other things on your agenda? Well, I mean, for me, there, there are a number of things from a business perspective. We're also looking at some issues of health disparity in the, in the United States, but it's not just a U- United States problem. And uh, I have a collaboration, collaboration with a, a friend of mine who is a physician in the Chicago area where we're trying to develop ways to help the frontline workers, the people who are actually making a lot of decisions that make the difference for the quality of health care that people receive. We're trying to create a system where we can help them to do a, a better job of that for more people. And that's something that we'll, we'll be working on uh, besides the music side before we head back to Germany. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so necessary, isn't it? And, and the pandemic has highlighted those, those inequities um, in, in healthcare, which are immense here in our country. Do you, is that something you think you might be able to continue work on um, from abroad? Absolutely. We actually uh, did our first pilot project with an organization in the Chicagoland area while I was in Germany. So it's just seven hours. That's all. <laughs> That's the only difference. Uh, as, as a corporate trainer, I've worked and continue to work around the world from my office in Germany because the, the magic of connections like the connection we have right now make it possible for me to do that. The only challenge is the time zone difference. So mm-hmm. we do have, a, have to accommodate that, but um, otherwise everything else is possible when yeah. it comes to communicating. What kind of corporate training are you doing? We focus on anything from management, intercultural leadership, and communication skills training. And so it can be anything from how to present yourself and your topic well in a virtual environment to things like how to influence others, managing what we're all managing right now with hybrid working approaches and how do we make that work for people, Um, reintegrating people back into a new working arrangement. All of those are the kinds of the challenges that that people are facing that we're, we're trying to support them with ideas and most importantly with a platform where they can talk with each other about what's going to work for them and make the social contracts that will make a difference in their day to day. And those conversations are so important because we're all emerging now into new worlds. Most of us are living in a different way, sometimes um, not by choice, but sometimes quite intentionally. So it's a, it's a very curious time. Absolutely. I think what people are discovering is, is what they, and previous to the necessity, thought was not possible. And now that we know that these remote ways of of working are possible, there are significant challenges to the old way of work. Mm -hmm. So we we see that as people are starting to move away from the centers of work to other areas because they can work remotely. Now, how does that impact things like how people are paid? How does that work with um, how people are promoted? 
How do we notice what people are doing well? All of those are challenges that, that many different corporations are facing at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, James Culver, thank you so much for talking today. It was really an enormous pleasure, and we're happy you're back visiting us here in the Quad Cities. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Carolyn. James Culver and the Kuchina Jazz Collective will be headlining the 7th Annual Bill Bell Jazz and Heritage Festival this weekend with a performance on Sunday, August 22nd at the Skylark Studio, which is located at 4401 7th Avenue in Rock Island. This is a free two-day festival, and you can also listen to a variety of high-quality performances on Saturday, August 21st at Hereford Park in East Moline. Times and all concert details can be obtained online by visiting the Polyrhythms Bill Bell Jazz and Heritage Festival Facebook page. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. WVIK.